Hi, everyone. Here's another episode of Be Heard, Women Empowering Women. And today we have Dr. Donna Marks. And Donna is a licensed psychotherapist and addiction counselor in Palm Beach. And she's also a certified gestalt therapist, psychoanalyst, hypnotist. She's facilitated um, courses, a course in miracles for about 30 years. And in addition, she shares her methods with hundreds of thousands of listeners on podcasts, radio, and TV shows. And today we're sort of um, specifically going to talk about her latest book, which is Exit the Maze, One Addiction, One Cause, One Solution. And I hope to feature that on our Be Heard Women Empowering Women book club, which I'll talk about later. All right. Welcome, Donna. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. So I'm reading through your book. And um, in fact, I have your first book too. And you did say something about the healing moment occurs when you decide to flip your inner internal switch and finally let light flood into your consciousness. And I'd like to go into what you mean by that. Well, I believe that we are humans, but we also have a spirit, uh, a soul or whatever you want to call it. But it's something that isn't just operating from the basic physical uh, and natural human being place. It's a much higher consciousness. And it's the place that we, um, it doesn't intrude upon us. We have to request help from that place. So um, from the Course of Miracles perspective, or from a lot of different spirituality perspectives, I've studied um, other things, it, it's the same thing. We have this human ego, our mind, or the part of us that's always trying to get us to do the wrong thing, and then condemns us for doing it the minute it talks us into it, and we listen. And then we also have this other part that is pure love and pure essence and pure joy, and it will guide us, but we have to flip that switch. We have to ask it. We have to access it. We have to be willing to receive that. It will not intrude itself upon us. I so totally agree because um, I wrote a book on my journey and I was in darkness for a long time, probably 40 years. And uh, the book is Raised by Wolves, Trapped by Demons. And I've been reading it. It's really oh, amazing. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. How far are you? Are you oh, I'm about into 30, 40 pages. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> and I like looking at the pictures too. It's really Oh, I'm nice. glad. I'm glad. Yes. Well, you know, I finally had met someone in my life, my present husband, who I'm with 34 years. And even though I had this wonderful life going for me, all the demons were still back there, you know, like you said, in the subconscious, the unconscious. And I remember that my bottom, I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to necessarily live. Like I woke up, I was in deep depression, I'm sure. And what you said about turning the switch, I remember I sat in my car, I just had an accident, which I couldn't believe I had. I thought I was done sober. And I said, Dear God, please help me. I can't do this anymore. And the minute, the minute I said that, the switch was flipped. Yes, that's a great, great example. And exactly. that's exactly what we're exactly. talking about. Yeah, because up to then I was doing everything on my own. I, I went from victor to victim to survivor, you know, that kind of mode. And but I stayed in that survivor mode 
I didn't like integrate it and become that whole person, right? So I did a lot of work on myself, um, rehab for 28 days, and then nine years of constant therapy. I did group therapy, I did one-on-one. I went to another rehab for eating addiction, because as you know, you put down one addiction, you can pick up another. Exactly. Yeah, right, until you solve those demons. So what do you think, um, like, how can women uh, work with triggers? Because I know I have a granddaughter and and sometimes she gets triggered and I have to talk her down, you know, calm her down. And and, uh, she feels like she's not enough or she's not perfect or she can't do it. She can't do it. It's a big thing, you know. So what can you tell women to help them with those moments? Well, um, I'd like to tell people that um, it's normal to have reactions, but we're also not reacting to what we think we're reacting to. What we're reacting to is either the past or this feeling of um, fear. And one of the things that I like to talk about is, you know, so many people are stuck in their fear and then they go to doctors and they get prescribed pills to alleviate their anxiety. And, you know, I I call it for what it is. As long as we think that there's something wrong with us, we're going to keep getting worse because we aren't, you're, did you say it's your granddaughter? Yeah, my granddaughter. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with her that enough self-love won't heal. Uh, I'm not saying that some people don't have actual physiological um, problems. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's way over-diagnosed and way over-treated. And and it's affirming, yes, there's something wrong with you. And here's a pill that will fix that. And we know that there's no pills that are going to fix it. A young person uh, needs to recognize her worth are their worth, whether, you know, regardless of who they are and to understand that we all have these senses of inadequacy on some levels and we can all deal with that and remove it by learning how to replace that, what I call that invisible hole or that feeling that something's missing or that something's wrong, filling that with self-love and learning how to replace those kinds of negative thoughts, like I'm not good enough, or she's prettier than me, or he's smarter, or yeah. I'm never going to be able to do this, or I'm suffering from, you know, attention disorders, and I'm suffering from anxiety, and I'm, I, I feel like an imposter, and Labeling. these things that we're constantly inundated with. I'm fine the way I am. I just need to learn how to love myself. That's That's so true. And I, all those years, I was self-medicating. Didn't know it. I was self-medicating with alcohol. And then um, I talked to her that day. And later on, I texted her. And I said, you're healthier than you think you are. Because guess what? You were triggered. And you called somebody. You called me. Then you expressed your feelings and how you were feeling. And you cried. And then you said, I'm going to take a nap. I said, do you realize those are the things you're supposed to do? Exactly. You did them all. I was so proud That's of her. Exactly what a healthy person does. Exactly. And I, but see, she has me to remind her of that. Everybody doesn't. But um, I wish they did. But So let's get into a little bit about childhood tra- trauma, which is in my book in the beginning. Yes. Um, yeah. 
So my parents, you know, they they want to, I, I said, they want to worker bees, not children. Mm. My poor brother told me stories later on I never knew. Um, they were really rough with him. And um, yeah, I remember you mentioning that in your book. Yeah, so, um, yeah. But they wanted that paycheck, and that's why they didn't want to send me to college. I couldn't join the Peace Corps. I had all these ideas, and they were, like, crushed. But that childhood trauma, emotional neglect, whatever, even though that might have been a factor in my early adult life in making wrong choices, okay, um, when I finally recognized it, and I had to get sober first, but when I recognized it, I did the things that I wanted to do. It didn't matter how old I was. I went to college and I got a bachelor's degree and I wrote three books. I have a podcast. So it might not be um, on your timetable, like yes. 18, 19, 20, 21, but anything that I think you want to do is possible, right? So I think- absolutely. Um, that childhood trauma thing, what do you think about the effects and as adults? Well, I think it definitely affects us if we aren't uh, loved and nurtured and made to feel special and wonderful and cuddly and smart and creative and all the things that um, in, an, in a healthy childhood, that would be the message exactly. and it would be consistent and it wouldn't be undermined with the um, saying one thing and then doing another and neglectful or abusive and, and things like that, like you were mentioning earlier. Oh, yeah. so that, that's the first key. You know, if those things aren't in place, a child mm -hmm. will grow up feeling something's wrong. What's wrong with me? I know you had that feeling and so did I. What what am I doing to cause this to happen? And so we get this notion that that we've internalized, you know, our parents or it couldn't could be somebody else. It's not just parents. I mean, it could be a school teacher, it could be a priest. Yeah. I mean, we know how many sources of abuse can can affect oh, a child. Yes, absolutely. Um, so absolutely. it could be any source like that that creates this feeling of something's wrong with me. And we have to recognize it's not me that was ill. It was the person who was inflicting that behavior on me. Right. And then if I don't get that straightened out early on in childhood, then I'm going to wind up emulating those same behaviors often, more often than not. Yes. And I but still I today sometimes feel I need approval. Like anything I, I might do for my community or my church or thing, whatever. It's like, I need them to say, oh, that was great. <laughs> you know? And sometimes they don't, you know, <clears throat> and uh, you don't need approval. I do. That's, yeah, that's, that's the part the, I struggle with. Yeah, yeah, you don't need it. Your your little girl is looking for it. But it's up to us as adults to say, you know, I really don't need the approval. I'm giving myself the approval. Exactly. I'm getting the joy from from sharing this gift with the church or whatever living community and that's it it was like the more i did the more i was like now you'd get approval for a couple of people and then one person wouldn't say anything to you and i'm still i still do therapy and my therapist said marie let's say you have 100 friends and 99 like you are you really going to spend your time worrying about that one person that doesn't like you because it's not you it's them you know yeah 
And, and you can also it. reframe it that if you're teaching, you know, spirituality or psychology or truth or healing, you want people to disagree with you. You want people not to like you. It lets you know that you're pushing some buttons and that you're doing what you're supposed to do. So embrace that uh, conflict. Yeah, I was going to say conflict. That's so funny. We both thought it. So let's talk about that. Um, you have a three-step process that offers some freedom. Um, I think it's learn, grow, and forgive. Am I correct? Yes, that's, that was my first book. Yes. So uh, yes. what I noticed uh, a lot with people that I'd work with in therapy and also in, in the, the recovery um, rooms is that a lot of people would do everything to stay sober, but then they would be stuck in certain behavior patterns that really made them feel ashamed or guilty. And sometimes they were shamed and made to feel that way. And I think a lot of people uh, who get stuck in patterns like that wind up, you know, relapsing or just feeling so inadequate. I know I went through periods in my life where I, that happened to me inwardly and outwardly. So I wrote the book because what I want to convey in the book is that no matter how many times you keep making the same dumb mistake, it's an opportunity. And in that mistake, you can learn. You don't have to keep saying, I'm insane. So there's nothing I can do about this. I have to just stop. Right. Well, sometimes you can't just stop. So what you can do though, for sure, is what did I learn this time? What did I learn this time? What did I juice it for all it's worth this time. And you will ultimately grow out of the behavior that you're trying to change, which is the second thing. Cause when you're asking, what am I learning? You can also access what is the root of this? How can I grow from this? And I encourage people to go backwards in time. When do those patterns first start? And in all my books, which I've gotten so many positive feedback about, there's exercises at the end of each chapter because it's one thing to read, here's what's wrong, but what do I do about it? And so it really helps people to internalize the message. And then the last thing is, you know, no matter how many times you or other people screw up, be willing to forgive, be willing mm -hmm. to forgive yourself. And because and, you can say, I'm growing through this experience, I'm learning through this experience, and I can forgive myself, even if it takes, as the Bible told us, you know, 70 times, seven times you keep doing it. There's yes. no limit. Yeah, 70 times, seven times I kept going down the wrong path, <laughs> but I finally found the right path. Yes, but you, that doesn't mean that you you were stuck. No. You were growing all along. And then you embrace it that way. There's a huge difference between just sliming and shaming yourself for doing yeah. this. Thing yeah. I, I did some extreme things, but, um, you know, when I, I remember when my mother was dying and um, she said to me, you never forgave me for not letting you go to college. And I said, mom. Of course, I forgave you. And not only that, but I went to college, just not on my timeline. And I did get a degree. So why would I hold the resentment? But my my parents, you know, they didn't know. They held resentment. She didn't forgive herself. Or not yeah, let that's, that's, that's why she said that. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yes. So um, I read Course in Miracles. I had taken um, a study group on it years ago. And... Um, it was amazing because that woman was an atheist, I believe, but yet she felt this guiding to write the Course in Miracles. And 
why I think that's great is because when I read the big book of AA, I could see that they were both about finding a path, a spiritual path. Yes. And it doesn't matter what that spirit, it doesn't matter what religion it is or if it's not even a religion. It's the fact that there's something outside of you, like you were talking about the ego before, right? Yeah. Um, and you teach, still teach the Course in Miracles? Um, I was teaching it until about a month ago. And uh, what happened during COVID is it just kind of dwindled away. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes we just take a break and then we we come back to it later. But we weren't having people attending. And uh, there are quite a few courses available online and things like that. So um, I still I still read it myself every day. I do the lessons repeatedly. I'm currently like right now on lesson 35 or something. So I just, it's such a part of my heart and, and my soul. And I really, really encourage people to uh, engage in it. It's not an easy, it's like I say, it's not spirituality one-on-one. So it actually doesn't just attract just anybody, but it really places the focus for our joy and our spirituality mm-hmm. ourselves rather than out there. Yeah. And I believe it does talk about how the trauma and the pain that we go through is really the doorway to enlightenment. Like you have to sometimes have that dark period. And then finally you go, wait a minute, I think I see some light. And and you change, like you said, the switch gets put, pulled. And I feel that, I absolutely believe that. What do you think about that statement? The pain light leads to the light. Well, I think that unfortunately, um, we are motivated more by pain than anything, but it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, I certainly encourage people who I'm working with to be motivated by inspiration, not pain. Don't wait until you've lost everything to you, a bucket of mush. Yeah. Uh, you're just a bag of gangly nerves, you know, yeah. and, and uh, that's just so unnecessary to do that to yourself. And, uh, you know, having a mindfulness of, of just growing and I want, you know, this is really what works. And and so many young people now are latching onto this, you know, they're, they're listening to podcasts like yours and, and all kinds of uh, self-help things, books and, and radio shows and stuff, because they're hearing people tell them, don't let anybody define who you are. You know, you have gifts, you have talents and they're inspired, you know, and when we're inspired, we step into the light. We don't have to crawl our way out of hell to get there. Exactly. It's not necessary. Yeah, and I'm glad to see the best that. version of yourself exactly. and don't let all these temptations, you know, overcome you. Yeah. My one grandson, um, he was interested in movies since he was a small boy. And we have that in common, like we'll quiz each other with trivia. We'll be watching a movie and we'll say, oh, do you see what they're referring, what movie they're referring to? And I love that. And when he was ready to go to college, he was um, just debating himself that he, if he took theater, it wasn't like, you know, maybe a practical thing to do. And I said, I think it's absolutely a practical thing to do for you. That's what you need to do. And he is a theater major. And uh, he just directed a short film as part of his work, you know, and he practices mindfulness and meditation. Wonderful. He's sad about the young people catching on. 
And I love that because, you know, he knows when he gets anxious about something, he can just, you know, go into his meditation and it works wonderfully for him. Yeah, he can move right on through it. Yeah. I am really pr I'm proud of all my grandchildren. But <laughs> uh, I love that. I'm fortunate you know. to have a grandmother who can mentor them too and reinforce them and encourage them. Well, that's what I do. That's my job with my grandkids. And do you think that addictions are sometimes a substitution for love, or maybe they're always a substitution for love? We talked a little bit. Well, that's, yeah, that's certainly my theory that every addiction is a substitute for love because what's happening is, you know, people say, oh, I love chocolate or I love vodka or I love champagne or I love this new outfit or, yeah. you know, I love sex, <laughs> I love <laughs> gambling. And really they, they love the feeling that they're getting from it. Yeah. They're not loving spending money, wasting money, having hangovers, having remorse, having regret. Uh, you know, they're not loving any of that. Yeah. So they're loving the feeling that quick fix. And so what I teach people is when you learn how to love yourself, and very few people actually know how to do that, in my opinion, when you actually learn how to love yourself and give yourself the things that your mind and your body and your soul need, you, you don't even think about any of that anymore. It's just like a bad relationship that you broke up with and you're done and you're too busy enjoying your life and enjoying uh, eating healthy and exercising and having friends, nurturing yourself and mentoring your grandchildren and being involved and excited about life and waking up full of joy in the morning and sleeping peacefully at night. That's what happens when you learn how to love yourself. And in my book, uh, the healing moment at the end, we, we actually have a handout of 101 plus ways, but at the end of the healing moment, we have the 77 ways to self-love. And when people do those every day, pick five or six of those a day, they will transform. Oh, it's to look at that list again. <laughs> good. <laughs> I mean, I tried it. Well, I am doing what I need to do um, for myself. And this whole thing about all of a sudden, I can be 75 years old in October. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so this new career popped up at like what 72, 71. Oh wonderful. And what an inspiration. <laughs> yeah. So but it a lot of it did come out of 2020 because I was home. I couldn't leave. I, I have autoimmune stuff and cancer. And my husband has Parkinson's. And we were those people that did not leave their home for nine months to a year, you know, which is why I went back into therapy on Zoom. And uh, she got me interested in writing. And once I see, that's just it. I think once you find what your purpose is, yes. it, it just takes off. And I have always wanted to help other women. You know, when I got sober, I always had the sponsee, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, I need to empower women. I need to, that's my purpose in life. I mean, I got 25 years at least. <laughs> with the medicine today and everything but um yeah so i really think that that gave me a whole new um source of energy if that makes sense of know? course and it's so beautiful that you um were receptive to hearing the suggestion that somebody who you trusted picked up on a gift that you have and we all have gifts and yeah. so, once, you know, those are cultivated. Uh, 
ideally they're cultivated in childhood because every yeah. little child exhibits those gifts early on. Yeah. Well, my grandkids, they're, they're exploring their gifts pretty well, thank heaven. Yes. Well, well you right. know, some children are called sensitive and they, they, they are the poets and the artists and the writers and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have that sensitivity to things. I have a new grandchild myself and I noticed when she was about uh, 14 months old or even earlier, she would look at like a drop of water and just stare at it and then touch oh. it. And, oh. you know, uh, and that's pity yeah. is there. It's a beautiful thing. Other children are gangbusters and they're going to be athletes and they're going to be, yes. you know, the conquerors of the world and, and yeah. everything in between, you know, you see people, uh, you see young children who are just constantly putting things together. You know, those are mm -hmm. our mentors and all. And so it's so important to cultivate those things early on, but it's never too late to cultivate them. I loved creative writing when I was young. Um, my next book is going to be a creative written book, but um, I, it took years like you before I actually put, you know, I can't say pen to paper anymore because now we do everything on our laptops. Yeah, exactly. You know, Life is a journey that's said all the time. And even if your journey starts out, like I said, a little dark, I spent a lot of years just surviving. And then I had two children. I was a single mother. And I kind of just didn't think about what purpose in life I had and all that, because I was trying to survive. And um, it's like that, oh, who is it, Maslow hierarchy of needs you know you can't get to the potential at the top until you get food and water and then you need love and then you know that kind of thing and um, so when I finally got sober and worked on myself and learned how to love myself the universe a goddess whoever presented this to me this was presented yeah. to me. And that's yeah. when you don't shut the door. You sit there and go, wait a minute. Okay, I mean, I've been to this. This is what I need to do. Yes. So one short thing. I had a, a woman who uh, I was best friends with her mother from first grade. And uh, her mother fell into addiction and she died. And this girl, her name is Mary. She read my book and she sent me an email and she said, you helped me forgive my mother. Mm. That was such a powerful. Message. That makes the whole thing worthwhile. Doesn't one, it? Person, one, one, one person. Yes. yes. But I thought, wow, you know, and all I did was tell my story. But in telling my story, other people went, oh, okay. You know, because they, fell maybe into the same traps or the same darkness that I did and to see how you can get out of there and become who you need to be. But I love when she wrote that to me. Yeah. Yes, that, 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 that's when you know that all the work that you put into writing your book, and it is a lot of work, but that's <laughs> when you know that, you, that it reached someone and touched someone, that that's for sure what you were right, supposed to Right, I know. And that, again, that's it. Addiction is filling a void. So we have that hole in our soul. And we don't realize when we're in active addiction that all the alcohol or men or whatever we're using is not going to fill that hole. And um, no, it just makes it bigger. Makes it bigger. You're right. You're absolutely right. And it, it, it is, I think, we keep re traumatizing ourselves at that yeah, point. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is a spiritual awakening that you don't even know that it's happening sometimes until it really hits you and you go, oh, wait a minute. I have to change. Something has to change. Big, you know, not just change the man I'm with or where I live or my job or the type of alcohol I'm drinking. You know, it's like big change. You, you got to change you. That's the problem. And um, I always helped everybody solve their problems, but that I think was part of not wanting to look at my own. You know. Help well, that could be part of it, but it could also be that you had some insights because of what you'd been through that you could be more helpful than someone who hadn't had those types of experience. That's true. Um, That's what I like to talk about too in all of my work is that whatever happened, I don't care how bad you were or it was, you, that can all be converted into helping other people. And only then does it, your whole life make sense. It does. Absolutely. And people that have read my book that they didn't know a lot of these things and they see me and they go, oh my God, I didn't know you went through all that. And how, this is the question I get all the time. How are you such a happy person? You should be bitter. You're always smiling. You're always nice and everything. I said, because that was then. This is because now. you choose to be happy. Right. You I choose. To I chose it. To embrace chose your whole life with all of its mm. um, parts. You and, have, uh, yeah. And you have an online website, I believe, called the Soft Feminine, Feminine Circle. I can look that out. Do you? you still have that? Or is the what? That, do you have an online website? www.drdonnamarks.com. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. And, um, do something on YouTube also? Oh, there's all kinds of, um, under Dr. Donna Marks, there's- Have your name in. Oh, good, good, because I, I want people to get, get yeah. to know you more. Well, we have to do another one because, you know, we have so much we could talk about. And I hope you're going to be, I want you to be in the book club and we'll feature your book and we'll get together and decide what month. Thank you. That. And that'll be the new one. Well, All right. Exit the Maze, right? Well, actually, Exit the Maze was the second book. The Healing Moment is the third. Oh, I can't keep up with you, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll figure out which book we're going to use. All right, love you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Marie. Oh, it was a pleasure. Okay.